Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Caffeinate for Wednesday, April the 25th. I am Samuel Adams, and welcome to the show. I hope you are doing very well this morning, afternoon, or evening, depending on when you are listening to this. Uh, But today we are doing, as we always do, the morning show where we go over the hottest gaming news of the past 24 hours that you need to know to keep you up to speed on everything going on in gaming and tech, or at least the important stuff. We hit the highlights. If I were to hit everything, I would literally be here all day, which very well could be some kind of career outcome if this does end up taking off, as I hope that it does end up doing. Uh, but yeah, it's been a very difficult, uh, not difficult, that's the wrong word, but uh, but hectic time for me, so um, uh, the fact that Caffeinate is happening is very, uh, very uh, a, a point of pride for me, if you will, but uh, I digress. Today we have some pretty interesting stories from the fact uh, that Discord is teaming up with Xbox. We also have the fact uh, that we have, um, let's see, some Destiny 2 DLC information, uh, PUBG update on the Xbox One, H1Z1 is coming to a console near you, or at least a PlayStation 4. We'll talk about that a little bit. Uh, we've got some Halo Online news, which is somewhat unfortunate, but uh, something we probably all saw coming, and on top of that, Wolf to a couple of other things. So without further ado, let's go ahead and jump into the news of the day. Uh, first off, we have an unpatchable exploit on the Nintendo Switch that opens the door to jailbreaks. This is coming to us from Gizmodo, uh, over there from Rhett Jones. On Monday, anyone looking to hack their Switch or run their own software on it got some good news and more good news. An exploit has been released that opens the homebrew floodgates, and because it's hardware-based, Nintendo just can't patch it. The news of the unpatchable exploit first broke when Catherine Timken and her colleagues at the re-switched hacking team dropped the outline for the Fusée Gilet, I believe is how you say that, vulnerability. The the relevant vulnerability is the result of a, quote, coding mistake in the read-only boot room found in the most Tegra devices. I, I believe I, it's a lot of lot of complex information there. Uh, Timken explained in an accompanying fact, uh, this boot ROM... Boot ROM, there we go, can have minor uh, minor patches made to it in the factory. Eye patches, but cannot be high patches, <laughs> but cannot be patched once a device has left the factory. Uh, the fact is, it's far from a plug and play hack. You need to do some technical savvy uh, to pull this off. But that's what's great about the uh, DIY community. They'll keep figuring out how to make it easier for everyone. Uh, in short, the exploit takes advantage of a flaw in the NVIDIA Tegra X1 chip. Normally, the chip would prevent access to its boot ROM, but you can get around that by forcing the system into USB recovery mode and overflowing a direct memory access buffer. That's where things start to make the casual Switch owners nervous. To force the USB to recovery mode requires shorting out a single pin on the right Joy-Con connector. It just so happens that Timken isn't the only group that found this flaw. Hacking team FailOverflow tweeted that they were observing a 90-day responsible disclosure window that would have ended on April the 25th, but since the cat has already out of the bag, they were moving forward with their release fail overflow tweeted a pic of a little device that would make shorting the usb pin a simple procedure which i have pulled up here whoops that's the actual website itself uh we will look here uh this is supposed to be some pretty interesting stuff dead ghost hello do i talk like this in real life i do indeed welcome to the show uh, yeah, so essentially what we've got here is a Lego device. Uh, it literally is a Lego pin that shorts out your Nintendo Switch right Joy-Con uh, so that it does force it into USB recovery mode, and therefore we end up having this uh, device that we have here now. So, um... You know, that's something if you did want to, uh, if you did want to try and short out your Nintendo Switch. On top of that, they also have this, uh, that literally shorts it up. You can buy it at your local hardware store. And that's pretty much where we're at with this right now. But, um, 
you know, it's one of those things where you're definitely taking a risk with it because I would not want to mess with my Switch, you know, because then I wouldn't be able to play the games that I actually want to play on it. And uh, and jailbreaking it is cool, but would it be worth it if you couldn't play any of the other Switch games or if you ruined your Switch indefinitely where you couldn't get it replaced or you couldn't get it fixed or anything like that? Is it really worth it? Uh, then the team dropped their own explanation of the flaw as well as tethered boot ROM exploit and Linux for the Switch. They've been working on this for a while, and while they previously showed off a video of the operating system running on Nintendo's hardware, where uh, Fail Overflow also teased the hell out of gamers by tweeting an image of The Legend of Zelda The Wind Waker running on the Switch, suggesting that they got the Dolphin emulator working on the device. Uh, pretty exciting stuff here. On its blog, Fail Overflow explained that it all began the responsible disclosure process with Google 90 days ago because Tekra chips are often used in Android devices. It's a nasty vulnerability, but it's mitigated by the fact that the bad actor would need a physical access to the device to compromise it. So... Uh, you know, we could go on here, but essentially when it comes down to it, if you have a Nintendo Switch and you have the desire uh, to jailbreak the device, it is becoming easier than ever uh, to put whatever you want on your Nintendo Switch from apparently the Dolphin emulator, which is pretty much the leading emulator technology uh, where you can play PS1 stuff, you can play Wind Waker stuff like they said, or uh, or old Nintendo title stuff. It the limitless possibilities with this with this uh, exploit here. So, um, for those that like jailbreaking things, this is definitely going to be, um, you know, enticing you to get a Switch even more now, especially since it is literally unpatchable. It's something that has to happen at the factory, and of course, Nintendo can't really fix this from here on out. Obviously, whenever they do hear about this, they'll probably end up patching it and patching future uh, Nintendo Switch consoles before they leave uh, the actual, uh, you know, um, warehouse itself or the actual place itself, but when it comes down to it, if you have a Nintendo Switch right now, you have the option to do this if you did want to take that risk. So I thought that I would tell everybody about this. I thought that I would make it known. Uh, of course, it, I'm not, you know, condoning you go out there and you and you break your Switch. I'm not condoning you go out there and you hack your Switch or anything along those lines. But I will say that if you were into it, I'm not going to tell anybody. I'm not going to call Nintendo and be like, hey, this guy's doing it. No, and, and please don't call them and tell them that I'm endorsing you to do this, but, uh, you know, it's your hardware, you can do whatever you want with it. If you want to buy a Switch and literally go out in the parking lot and run it over with your 18-wheeler, by all means, no one's stopping you. Go ahead and do it. I wouldn't recommend it. Huge waste of money, but you could do it if you did so. Choose Welcome to America, where the land of the free and the home of the brave lets you do whatever you want with your brand new gaming hardware. Uh, but... If you did want to do that, again, you have the option, and I'm sure that Fail Overflow can help you out over there at Twitter on Fail Zero Verflow. Uh, at, you can follow him over there. Uh, but yeah, if you wanted to check that out. Moving on to a story from Polygon. Here's what's coming to Destiny 2's Warmind expansion. Uh, I do want to say before I jump into this story that I don't have any kind of you know connection with Destiny 2. I don't have any kind of real uh, passion for what Destiny is bringing into the uh, bringing into the mix. <laughs> Dead Ghost in the chat says I don't have an 18 wheeler. Well, you can run it over with your uh, your bike, your uh, your ATV if you would like. Depends on what you want. But uh, I don't have any kind of affiliation with the Destiny 2 community. I don't have any kind of affiliation with the game. I didn't buy it when it came out, and it seems like people have been a little bit disgruntled with the fact that Destiny 2 has been, as Deadgo says, kind of sucky since it was released, but it seems like Warmind is making things a little bit better, so let's dive into the story. In today's Twitch reveal stream for Destiny 2 Warmind, the second expansion for Destiny 2, Bungie confirmed the players will be returning to Mars in this add-on, but this time they'll be exploring the planet's thawing ice caps, not its red deserts. The Warmind Rasputin has awoken and awaits players on the red planet. You'll fight alongside Anna Bray and take on a formerly frozen hive army known as the Grasp of Nocrans, I believe I said that correctly, probably not, in order to reach Rasputin's core. 
Uh, Warmind also brings quite a few updates to PvP, offering ranked modes for competitive glory and casual Valor play. This new Crucible step offers a re- real leveling experience for players in either mode. However, the competitive playlist will see you move up and down the ladder as you succeed or fail. Finally, each season will have a PvP-exclusive gun for players to chase after. Inside the new Hella's Basin... Hella's Basin. Mm-hmm. The landing zone for Mars. Players will be able to take on a brand new type of public event, but unlike previous events, this one is triggered by players whenever they want, similar to Court of Oryx. Oryx? Uh, from the from the Taken King. Uh, in this new event called Escalation Protocol, groups of guardians on patrol will face off against seven waves of Grasp of Nokris Hive, each more difficult than the last. On the seventh wave, players will face down one of five unique bosses that will rotate each week. Pretty cool way to switch it up there. In terms of rewards, Bungie made it clear that the Escalation Protocol has its own exclusive armor set and weapons, each weekly boss will also offer unique loot, meaning that you may have to wait a full five weeks between opportunities. Normal public event rewards will drop after waves three and five, but the reveal, the real, excuse me, rewards hit after the final boss and wave seven. You can see six screenshots of Escalation Protocol below, and I'll just click through those quickly. Looks like a pretty good game. Uh, runs very well on PC. Looks pretty good via the Bungie launch or the uh, the Blizzard launcher. Uh, Bungie has also been teasing a few much-needed exotic buffs, etc., etc. I could keep on going. Uh, hey, Dead Ghost, thank you for clicking that follow button over there on Mixer. But I did want to say uh, that they're adding a, an emote wheel. They're adding a couple of, of quality of life uh, kind of additions here with what's going on with Destiny 2. And I think that it's really going to improve the game overall. Of course, right now, the community is not that happy with this, the state of the game. It seems like as soon as Destiny 2 was released and people got through the story, it was just less appealing to them. It was less enticing for them to dive back into it uh, in the way that they dove back into something like Destiny 1, where people continued to play it throughout its entire life and that still play it today uh, people haven't felt that desire for what's going on with destiny 2 and so hopefully with warmind it's the beginning of bungie trying to get behind the uh, the community and trying to push their ideas forward and make the game something that people want to continue coming back to week after week month after month year after year uh, right now I don't, I don't feel any desire to buy Destiny 2, and even with Warmind, I feel like there's still much more work to be done. Uh, but essentially, what I've been hearing throughout the community is the same kind of sentiment, almost. It's kind of like where people are wanting to get back into Destiny 2, uh, but they don't really have a reason to. And so I feel like this one is going to be, as I said, the start of a fix, and then whenever the big expansion comes out in September, the one that really is beefy, the one that's going to represent uh, pretty much a re-release, the one-year launch uh, since Destiny 2, I think that is when it's going to really uh, take effect, and when we're going to see a lot of changes uh, that bring a lot more people back into the community not saying you know not saying at all that that this warmind expansion isn't going to be significant i'm just saying that there's a higher potential for me to dive into it whenever september rolls around wally hello welcome to the show thank you for joining me over there on youtube uh but we'll see what happens with it i'm i'm excited to see how destiny 2 does shape up and how it changes over time Uh, but when it comes down to it we'll just have to wait and see hopefully this makes players happy hopefully this makes players more apt to come back to the game uh, as time does roll along Uh, but of course it's available on the playstation 4 xbox one and pc and of course this uh, warmind expansion is going to be available via the season pass or i would guess separately i believe so decky hello welcome to mixer chat welcome 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 i'm digging this restream thing it's pretty nice uh yep 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 
Moving along to the Microsoft and Discord team up to connect gamers across Xbox Live and Discord. Pretty exciting story here. Uh, PC and console gamers unite. Today we are excited to announce a new collaboration between Xbox and Discord. Connecting with friends is such a big part of why people game. Gamers all over the world use and love Discord to easily chat and connect with friends while they game. In the coming weeks, this collaboration will make it easier for gamers to choose to do just that. Make it easier to connect and see what friends are playing across console and PC. It's part of the work we do. Uh, It's part of the work we are going we are doing there we go to provide gamers with more choice allowing them to play how and where they want to in response to your feedback you will now have the option to link your discord account to your xbox account making it easier than ever to see what your friends are playing if you are playing sea of thieves on your xbox you can now choose to give your discord friends the ability to see that and decide whether they want to hop on their xbox and join you how will it work from xbox one as an xbox insider exclusively to xbox insiders Uh, Starting soon in preview, you'll also have the added option to link your Xbox Live account to your Discord account directly from your Xbox One, which will become available to the broader uh, Xbox community soon. I thought audience for some reason. Uh, Open the account settings menu on your Xbox One. Select link accounts. It's just a guide to do that. From PC, you can go into Discord and do it where you would link your Blizzard. You could link your Twitch. You can link whatever you want uh, via your connected accounts tab under Discord. After following these few simple steps, your accounts will be linked and your Xbox Live games presence can be shared across Discord, enabling friends and users in your same Discord service to see what you're playing on Xbox Live. We're excited about working with Discord and are thrilled to enable new ways for gamers to connect with one another online. Uh, For more info, you can head over to Xbox Wire, or if you want to follow the guy over on Twitter at MCDanMCX, or you can friend him on Xbox Live via the gamertag random. Uh, So this is pretty exciting. Uh, This is very pretty exciting right here because, of course, Discord is coming to Xbox One, but not in a fully fleshed out format. Uh, So essentially what you're doing here is if you're playing, say, Sea of Thieves on the Xbox One, then your Discord friends will be able to see that in the same way that if you're playing something on PC, they can see that you're playing Overwatch or you're playing, I don't know, Doki Doki Literature Club, whatever you might be into. They can see what you're playing via Discord. And so that same kind of functionality is going to be coming over to the Xbox One. And hopefully what I'm expecting from this is that this is the first step in kind of fleshing out the the overall relationship between what's going on between Discord and Xbox. This is kind of opening the door uh, to see what is possible between a collaboration with with Discord and with Xbox. So hopefully if this goes over well and more people link their accounts and more people are interested in this kind of thing, as I've seen interest grow over the course of the past 24 hours, uh, then we may be able to see something where we have Discord voice chat take over the Xbox voice chat because no one really likes Xbox voice chat um it would just be nice to see Discord become something that is kind of a, a universal communication system that's out on the PlayStation 4 and Xbox One, maybe even on the Nintendo Switch, taking over that crappy Nintendo mobile app thing that we've had to deal with over the course of the past, what, th- uh, six months, eight months? It, it's terrible. Absolutely terrible. Nintendo messed up big time, not including some kind of voice chat app via the Nintendo Switch itself, but hopefully this partnership between Xbox and Discord is not exclusive. Hopefully it will continue to grow and And hopefully we will see more chat capabilities. Hopefully we will see more uh, integration across the Xbox ecosystem, maybe even in Windows itself. You know, could this be one of those things where you buy a Windows 10 PC or you install Windows 10 and boom, there it is. There's Discord. You log in. You're ready to talk with your friends. It could be a big, big thing. Uh, It is absolutely fantastic uh, to see. But to address a couple of things in the chat here, uh, no Twitch, no, no Twitch anymore. I've kind of um, grown to be interested in other platforms outside 
outside of Twitch. Uh, for me right now, I'm I, you know, it's just one of those things where it's it's left a bad taste in my mouth, not from my channel, but just from the community overall, and it seems like the overall vibe is changing. So I'm choosing uh, to explore other options and choosing to explore the more uh, blossoming, the more, uh, you know, state-of-the-art kind of new new platforms, things along those lines. I'm pretty excited. Uh, what I paid $180 for, you can buy now for $5 in Destiny 1. That hurts, Dead Ghost. That hurts over there in the mixer chat. That is that is a painful sentiment to have. Uh, but Wally, you don't have to give me my money, your money or any money whatsoever. But, you know, there's always Streamlabs and things like that if you ever felt so compelled. But don't worry about it, my friend. Don't worry about it. The morning show will roll on and the streams will continue. Uh, we will always have a good time. But moving on to the next story coming to us from Engadget. PUBG players on Xbox One can test the game's second map. Miramar is no longer a PC-only affair. It's been tough times if you're a PUBG player on the Xbox One. While your PC counterparts have been getting a taste of the Battle Royale game's third map, you'll have to make do with just one. Well, that drought ends shortly. The PUBG team is making the desert-themed second map Miramar available on the Xbox One test servers. You can download the latest test server release now with test run for several hours per day between April 25th and April 29th. Players who report bugs during these test runs have a chance to score in-game items. Miramar has taken its share of criticism. Some players have complained that its open terrain is too sniper-friendly and occasionally barren. However, it still adds the much-needed variety for Xbox One players who have become all too familiar with Ingrenel. Irangle? The other map that's original, the green one. As good as it is, since the early access title reached the console in December, this also gives you a better idea of what to expect going forward. The PC version is clearly going to have the lead in terms of features, but that might not extend further than it does today. So, to talk about this right now, before jumping back into the chat, what we've got going on here is the fact that we finally have a new map coming to the Xbox One version of PUBG, but I tried this version of the game out a couple of weeks back. I, I tried it, I jumped into it, I was excited about it, we were going to see what was going on with it. Woo, that Xbox One version is rough. Let me tell you right now, if you are on the Xbox One version of PUBG, and you are, ex especially the Xbox One S version of PUBG, and you are thinking you are getting the exact same experience as PC players, let me tell you, good sir, you are not. It is a bad, bad, bad experience. I did not enjoy it whatsoever. I thought that it was very hollow. I thought that it was very rough around the edges. I was getting maybe 25 frames per second the majority of the time. Uh, it was absolutely abysmal as compared to the way that I played PUBG on PC because I'm used to running at about, you know, 120, 130 frames per second. Uh, I have a really high refresh rate monitor and then jumping over to the Xbox One version of the game whenever it had a free weekend, it was just... Ooh, it was kind of like jumping from a Ferrari onto a a, uh, a a tricycle with 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 two wheels, so that you couldn't really roll, and just sparks flew out from one side of the tricycle. It was really really rough. So, with that being said, they're getting a new map that is bigger. That requires, I would assume, more assets to run. I don't really know how all of that works on the back end, but I will say. Uh, they're just checking out what the the map is bringing to the table on the PC version of the game. Wow, a little bit more beefy. A little bit more beefy, I will say that right now. Uh, but um, the PC version is fantastic. Uh, if you wanted to try it out on the PC, I would highly recommend it. But the Xbox One version, it's cool that it's still getting updates. It's cool that it's still getting fleshed out more and more. Uh, but as time goes on, it will be interesting to see just how much the uh, how much parity is going to be between uh, what's going on with the Xbox One version of the game and what's going on with the PC version of the game. I feel like that's definitely going to be somewhat of a of a different setup, if you will. And so that will be pretty interesting to see and to uh, and to experience as 
it does roll out. But I know that a ton of people love the Xbox One version of the game. I know that a lot of people are enjoying uh, what it is bringing to the table. So I can't really hit, you know, hit it too hard or hate on it too hard because people enjoy it. People like playing it. And it definitely does open up the game to a wider audience as compared to it just being on PC. So it's cool, as I said, that these players are getting more access to more maps. And hopefully the new third map, which is not even officially out on PC yet, uh, will eventually come to the Xbox One. I don't see why it wouldn't. Um, so yeah, if you have an Xbox One and you want to try it out, then, uh, you know, it's rough around the edges, but it is PUBG technically in the same way that, you know, honey, honey oats are, are Cheerios. They're not moving on to the next story. H1Z1 is getting a PS4 open beta in May. Uh, Daybreak Games has announced that an open beta will be coming to the PlayStation 4 version of H1Z1 in May, giving players a chance to check out the enhancements and tweaks that are coming to the console version of the game. In addition to adjusting to the controls for console players, Daybreak says it's reworked the UI and equipment collection, removing crafting and sped up the overall flow of matches. The game will run at 60 FPS on the PlayStation 4 Pro. Uh, the open beta test starts on May the 22nd, but a closed beta begins later on this month you can sign up for that by registering at this link right here which will be in the description box down below via the link to game informer so you literally go into the game informer link click that thing boom shakalaki you're good to go so this is pretty exciting stuff uh, it is very, uh, very interesting to see that H1Z1 is coming out on the PlayStation 4, even if it is getting an open beta, and I'm kind of seeing how they're trying to weasel their way back into the fight. Of course, H1Z1 was pretty much one of the first really outstandingly uh, impressive, uh, well-adopted Battle Royale games that uh, that kind of broke out of the mold, so to speak. This was pretty much PUBG before it was PUBG, you know what I'm saying? So, whenever it's coming to the PlayStation 4, I'm kind of seeing that Daybreak is weaseling its way in to become what PUBG is for X. Xbox over on PlayStation. They're trying to become the Battle Royale game that is over on the PS4. Uh, of course, it does have an advantage because H1Z1 has now gone free to play. It is now available to everyone regardless of if you paid or not. Uh, very excited stuff. One leg, one legged red. Welcome to the uh, the brewery, my friend. Thank you for clicking that follow button over there on Mixer. But um with the PS4 getting an open beta in May, uh, it just means that they're really trying to get back into the fight and compete with something along the lines of PUBG. They're trying to compete with something uh, that is like what you have going on uh, in pretty much everywhere else, whether it be Fortnite or or whether it be PUBG. Uh, but that's where I kind of draw the line here. That's where I feel like the, the success of H1Z1 on console is going to be cut off, is the fact that Fortnite is now available on all consoles. So whenever you have the option to play H1Z1 or Fortnite, more than likely, uh, you are going to be playing something like Fortnite uh, because it's more popular, because it's more in the public eye right now, because it's just a major, major release. So with that being said, you kind of have to just take it as it rolls with it and see what happens. Uh, but don't get me wrong, I enjoy H1Z1 and I'm glad to see it coming back uh, because that was the game that really kicked off the entire the entire uh, you know hype around Battle Royale games. That was the game that really kicked off my interest in Battle Royale games, so I do have somewhat of a connection to it, and I love watching it, uh, but when it comes to playing it, the game has just been rough for about the past year or so, um, it's just been a, a downhill spiral for the game, but if you have a PlayStation 4 Pro especially, where the game will run at 60 FPS, give this thing a shot, you know, closed beta, open beta, whatever you've got going on, give it a shot, see if it might be something you are into uh, whenever it does launch on May the 22nd in open beta, but again, you can sign up for that closed beta by registering at the link, which will be do uh, you know, able to be done via Game Informer. Uh, but what we've got going on in the chat right now, 
Uh, yeah, you, Wally, you don't have to give me money, man. Uh, yeah, fantastic. Still waiting on that Monster Hunter World Battle Royale. Uh, we'll see what happens with that one. Who knows what's going on? Uh, but the PS4 open beta is in May if you did want to check that out again. And, uh, and you know, we've got a teaser trailer here that I can't watch because of copyright issues, but... Uh, you can check that out via the official YouTube page and whatnot. Uh, moving on to Eurogamer, Microsoft moves to terminate fan-made Halo Online mod. Quote, it is not optional. This is very, very disappointing for me. Uh, perhaps, inevitably, Microsoft is working to eradicate the eye-catching fan-made Halo Online mod Eurogamer reported on last week. El Dorito It was a community-made mod for Halo Online, the canceled-free PC game based on Halo 3 Microsoft built for the Russian market. Uh, El Dorito lets you play El Dorito. I just, I just understood the, the Dorito Halo connection there. Mountain Dew game fuel, etc. El Dorito lets you play multiplayer games in player hosted servers with multiple server browsers, player and emblem customization, stat tracking, and even ranked and social servers. The mod attracted a fair bit of attention from both PC, uh, the games press and fans who fancied giving a Halo 3 like multiplayer experience a shot on PC. Only Halo Combat Evolved and Halo 2 launched on PC with the subsequent Halo games so far remaining Xbox exclusive. Now, Halo Custodian 343 Industries. Custodian? What? Uh, 343 Industries has signaled Microsoft has lawyered up. In a post on Halo Waypoint, 343 said Microsoft had, quote, initiated actions to protect its Halo intellectual property, which sounds a bit like Skynet sent the Terminator after the modders. Explaining the decision, 343 said El Dorito did not fit within Microsoft's content usage guidelines because the Halo Online code the mod is based upon was never officially released. Back in 2014, Microsoft, 343, and Saber Interactive partnered to develop Halo Online, a title that was being developed exclusively exclusively for the Russian market. Uh, the game was subsequently put on indefinite hold, but Halo Online ended up being a while beyond its intended, uh, ended up being released, etc., etc., and then Microsoft had to take it down, but it re-emerged, and, and, and then the Powerpuff Girls were born. What, um, so essentially what went on here is that the code for the Russian Halo 3 Halo Online project was leaked out into the wild, more people got their hands on it, and now we're getting the re-release pretty much worldwide, uh, and people were playing the absolute living mm, out of out of Halo Online. It has been so exciting to see it blow up over time. It has been so enticing uh, to jump into it. I just didn't get the chance to even download it, but now that it's getting taken down, uh, very, very disappointing. Though, I will say that in the official 343 blog post, it's very exciting uh, to see that they are actually backing Installation 1, which is a brand new Halo experience uh, that's coming to us, and it's very exciting to see. So, I'm excited to see how that actually ends up, and I'm probably going to be jumping into Installation 1 at some point, whenever it is released, I know it's still in development right now, and I'm not sure I can get my hands on it, uh, but I would love to have a Halo on PC. Of course, for those that have been following along for the past couple of weeks, I have been... Um you know, playing some Halo 5, I have been jumping back into the Master Chief Collection a little bit offline, uh, whenever I'm not streaming or making any content or anything like that, but I just love Halo, and I'm excited to see it come back and and really make a name for itself on PC again, just because it is so fantastic, and it is such one, it, it's just one of those foundational games that I loved uh, whenever I was playing it on the Xbox 360, I'm still in love with it on the, on the Xbox One. Uh, but it's just one of those things where I'm just so excited to see it actually happen and, uh, and to see it come back into the Halo Online mod. Uh, so, uh, it's unfortunate that it's shutting down, but it is what it is. We'll see how it goes on and we will, uh, and we will roll along with that. Uh, but moving along to our next story coming to us from Engadget, Wolfenstein 2 blasts its way to the Switch on June the 29th. It's further proof Nintendo system can do more than you would expect. Uh, it's been a long time coming, but the Nintendo Switch adaptation of Wolfenstein 2 The New Colossus is almost here. And to back up a little bit, Decky, yes, I am having a halo-gasm. It is true. 
but the Nintendo Switch adaptation of Wolfenstein 2 The New Colossus is almost here. Bethesda has announced that the Nazi punching sequel will be available on June the 29th for 60 bucks. You'll generally know what to expect and that it's likely to be a good thing. A Panic Buttons conversion appears to be on par with its well-received Doom port with Switch-friendly motion controls and the kind of rich graphics detail you wouldn't expect from a portable console. And in case you're wondering, Bethesda is vowing that this release is complete and uncensored. If you've seen a sliver of the game, you know what this means. It also shows just how far Nintendo has come in terms of its attitude towards games. For that matter, Nintendo demanded heavy censorship of the SNES version of Wolfenstein 3D back in 1994 when it insisted that games be as family-friendly as possible. Now it's allowing a Wolfenstein title that could be considered risque even by the standards of jaded gamers. While it's been clear that for a while Nintendo is happy to court adults, this serves as the ultimate proof. Uh, pretty exciting stuff. Alan, good morning. Hello, hello. But, um, but yes, we, uh, we have Wolfenstein 2 finally getting its release date on the Switch on June the 29th. So that's going to be pretty awesome to see. Uh, but of course, this has been in the works for a while, I would say. You know, it's one of those things where I was expecting it probably around actually maybe February, but the fact that we're finally getting it in June, I mean, I guess better late than never. Uh, but it's interesting how this could strategically boost sales of Wolfenstein 2 across all of the platforms. You know what I mean? Uh, so if this game is getting a re-release on the Nintendo Switch, then that could mean that people would be like, hey, I forgot about this game. You know, I was playing Assassin's Creed Origins at the time or whatever they may have been playing. And so they go back and they buy Wolfenstein 2 for a discounted price, you know, somewhere around like maybe 30, 40 bucks, depending on what they've got going on whenever the game does launch. Uh, so they go back, play that, buy that, have a good time with that. And then they get hyped up about whatever DLC comes out. You buy the DLC pack, boom, shakalaka, got more sales. So this is a strategic kind of placement, I feel, uh, for the Nintendo release. Of course, it did need some additional time to get polished up. It did need some additional time in the incubator, so to say, before it was ready to go. And so, you know, you kind of take it for what it is, and I'm excited to see it, as I said, come to the Switch. Uh, of course, uh, whenever it came down to it, I actually sold my Switch just because I wanted to buy an Xbox One to play Halo like we were talking about a couple of minutes ago, but I know that Switch owners are going to be excited about Wolfenstein 2 whenever it does, quote, blast its way to the Switch on June the 29th. Um, as a side note, the Doom uh, the Doom mod, or not the Doom mod, excuse me, the Doom port uh, that came to the Nintendo Switch was very well received. People truly did enjoy that experience. People thought that was fantastic, and uh, you know, checking out the gameplay that I saw, it wasn't on with something like the PC version of the game or the PlayStation 4 version of the game. Uh, but when it comes to the fact that you can play Doom on the go in an entertaining and pretty decent way, you know, when it, when it comes to the fact that it is genuinely awesome, uh, then... You know, you can't really complain. It's pretty awesome to see that, uh, you, you know, these games, these beefy, beefy Bethesda games are actually performing very well on the Switch, both in terms of sales and in terms of the fact that they simply run very well. Uh, so we'll see what happens with more Bethesda titles coming to the Switch. Of course, now we have Doom, we have Skyrim, and now we are getting Wolfenstein 2 officially. But I would love to see uh, something like, as I saw somebody on Twitter talking about a couple of days ago, something like Morrowind. Uh, older Bethesda titles get ported to the Nintendo Switch where they can kind of be given a new life and uh, and more people can check out what's coming to the table with that. I highly doubt, Decky, that Halo will ever be coming to the Switch, though uh, Monster Hunter World coming to the Switch is not out of the realm of possibility, though I don't think uh, that that would ever end up happening just because, you know... It's Monster Hunter World. Come on now. But but for an on-the-go game, if you had a if you had an airplane flight or something along those lines to catch, then by all means, boom, there you go. That that can kill some time right then and there. Uh, very exciting stuff. 
so moving along to our final story of the morning, coming to us from Game Rant. Uh, rumor Cyberpunk 2077 is a first-person game. Uh, this is coming to us again from Game Rant's Dalton Cooper. Cyberpunk 2077 is expected to have a proper reveal at E3 2018 in June, but some details may have potentially leaked ahead of time. One of the supposedly leaked details for Cyberpunk 2077 is that the game will be played from the first-person perspective, standing in stark contrast to CD Projekt Red's previous games like Witcher 3 Wild Hunt, uh, which have have been third-person experiences. Yeah, that's that's kind of a weird way to say that. Standing in stark contrast to CD Projekt Red's previous games. Okay, so there's your plural. Fantastic. This rumor stems from a website called Game Pressure, which cites an unnamed inside source at CD Projekt Red. According to Game Pressure, Cyberpunk 2077 will be first-person with a heavy focus on RPG elements. Even though Cyberpunk 2077 will apparently be played from a first-person perspective, that doesn't mean that it will be a standard first-person shooter, though. It's worth pointing out that the first-person elements have been confirmed for Cyberpunk 2077 for quite some time. In fact, CD Projekt Red outright said that the massive open-world game will be a mix of first-person and third-person perspectives all the way back in 2013. However, this new report makes no mention of a third-person perspective in Cyberpunk 2077, leading some to believe that the studio may have removed it to focus entirely on first-person gameplay. Uh, of course, it's possible the game pressure source has either misled them or simply failed to mention that Cyberpunk 2077 will also have third-person gameplay. One possibility is that the game will be similar to something like Skyrim or Fallout 4, where players are able to switch between first and third person perspectives at will. Uh, it's a solution that could potentially please those who prefer first-person games, as well as those who prefer third-person games. Until CD Projekt Red is ready to share more information, fans should assume that what is previously said about Cyberpunk 2077 having both third- and first-person gameplay is still correct. Uh, so we'll find out more at E3. Uh, pretty exciting stuff and whatnot. So... Uh, I'm excited to see what exactly goes on with Cyberpunk 2077 when it does uh, get a proper reveal and a proper gameplay trailer, hopefully, at E3. I think that it's going to be a big game changer, uh, for lack of a better term, at uh, or for CD Projekt Red. If it is in first person, uh, I don't know how well it will go over as compared to it being optionally in third person. I think that third person elements within a CD Projekt Red game are kind of a requirement at this point uh, just because it has gone over so well in the past and so many people have loved what games like The Witcher 3 Wild Hunt have brought to the table and love that kind of setting. Uh, plus, considering how much they flesh out the world of the games that they develop, I think it's very imperative uh, that we have, we have some way to see more of the world from something other than just a, a first-person perspective. I feel like it gives much more of a chance for people to really explore and really take in what is brought to the table whenever a game like this is developed and, and, and fleshed out. So, uh, we'll see more, but of course, as they said, first-person elements have always been mentioned, third-person elements have always been mentioned, but now this game, or this uh, game pressure uh, release, is now focusing entirely on first-person. We'll see what happens. Uh, hopefully, this will be you know just something that can be debunked and thrown out to the side. And, uh, and whatnot, and we will see what goes on with that. But pretty exciting overall. Uh, very excited to see how it goes. And of course, Cyberpunk 2077 is pretty much the first big, uh, first big, big release, uh, since the, uh, since The Witcher 3 Wild Hunt for CD Projekt Red, because that is a very beefy game, and it takes a lot of time to develop this kind of thing. So I'm expecting, uh, this to be a big game at E3 this year. We're going to be doing a lot of coverage on, on, uh, Cyberpunk 2077 and CD Projekt Red as time goes on and as three, as E3, excuse me, does roll on down the pipe, um, which is coming to us at the beginning and like kind of the middle of June, uh, coming up pretty soon. So we'll be doing more coverage on that as I have done every year in the past, or at least every year that I've done YouTube. Uh, and, uh, and yeah, it'll be a good time. I'm excited to see what goes on with that. 
Uh, but for those that are watching live, thank you for joining me. I'm going to be uh, jumping on off to head to the gym. And then I believe I'm going to be doing some kind of day stream. I'll see if I can get one in because I did skip streaming last night to get a little bit of extra sleep. But that has been Caffeinate for Wednesday, April the 25th. If you enjoyed the stream, please, by all means, drop me a like if you're watching on YouTube. If you're on Mixer, please follow the stream and keep up to date with all of the live streams uh, that I do have coming down the pipe. And if you are listening on Anchor.fm or any of the podcast services that are provided, be via, not via, via that service, uh, then by all means, drop me a rating, applause, whatever you might have. I would love it and appreciate it ever so much. Uh, but if you want to follow me on Twitter to keep up to date with all of the content, you can find me over there on uh, Twitter at Pretty Chill Guy. Uh, but as for right now, as I said, I'm going to head off, head to the gym, get some of that good workout time in. I will talk to you soon and enjoy the rest of your Wednesday. Peace.